Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! Gee, money, Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Week three is here. Time is flying in the NFL football season already. That means it's time for another edition of Inside Football here with Rick Venturi on the Colts Audio Network, Colts.com, and the Colts mobile app. Thanks for joining in. I'm Matt Taylor, and the Colts are 1-1 one one, thanks to their big win over the weekend against the Houston Texans, now in a first-place tie in the AFC South after two games. Up next for the Colts, a road trip to face off against the 2-0 and Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore and a lot to talk about per usual as we welcome in Rick Venturi and his nearly three decades of coaching background in the National Football League. RV, welcome back, man. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. You know, I'm, I, I, I was close to IR there with the back, but we're not going in the tent yet. <laughs> we're ready to go. That win, nothing like a win, as you know. That was so much fun. That's what we work for. Every Every effort that we put in, 365 days a year is really all about winning and so winning is really really fun no question about it that was such a good feeling coming out of there so you're saying through two games the Colts are breaking your back right they're giving you tinges (laughs) in the back no actually in a way they did I was so intense for that first game and we were on the air a little bit we're on the air a lot longer now which I enjoy and I was so tensed up, and I was hunched over, focused on the game, and they actually think that I spasmed the back. If you can believe that, my wife keeps saying, you want this young quarterback to play so well. She said you tensed up, and you know what? I think she's got a point. <laughs> well, we got to get you off the IR now. That that four-week period can't come soon enough. we got to get you off the injured reserve and back to practice and then back on the game field here. So, all right. Let's recap the Texans game here quickly. A lot to talk about, obviously, as we get into the blueprints coming up against the Ravens. But, I mean, you love the fact that the Colts took care of business against a, yep. you know, an inferior team. It was 31-20. to 20. But if you watch the game and you uh, you studied the game and you watch the film, really the, the the score was not really even that close. But there's always things to learn from in a win and a loss. So give us the pluses, give us the minuses from the Houston game for the Colts. Well, the pluses is just like you said. You never apologize for a win. I mean, you there there is not a team, including the Houston team, that is can't beat you on a given Sunday. So you have to take care of business. You know, I thought that we really Shane had them ready. I thought we came out on fire and basically hit them in the mouth right off the bat, broke their will early, uh, which I had hoped for, but we did it. And uh, you know, we went in there just established ourselves. Uh, from beginning to end, as you said, we dominated certainly from for three quarters. That's for sure. Uh, I thought a couple things. I thought first of all, our quarterbacking was terrific. Uh, both, uh, you know, AR got us off to a great start with his legs. I mean, two just phenomenal touchdowns within about a minute. I mean, which just struck. I mean, it was like lightning, you know. And then Gardner came in. It was 19 for 23. Did his, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. And so I think, you know, we got really good quarterback play. Uh, I thought Moss came in and gave us a banger, which we really need to keep him honest inside. In our offensive line, I thought did really well. You know, we had enough yards rushing and no sacks. So those three things were critical. I thought our coaching staff did the best job to me 
technically and uh, running a game plan that I've seen in a long time in the first half. I thought Shane did a great job of adapting and immediately changing gears. You know, when he lost Anthony and he went right to Minshew, now he's, he does have an advantage and he's done that before, but that was, a, that you know, that goes totally different. That goes from, you know, a NCAA quarterback run centric, you know, to, to, to a classic NFL offense with a sprinkling of NCAA. And that is not easy. And to me, he made that transition like nothing ever happened. I, and, of course, that's, that's why we wanted him, you know, but he really showed the flexibility under fire. You know, defensively, we did what we had to do. There was two things that you had to do in this game. I can pick things clean, but there was two objectives, and that was to totally stop the run and pierce. Well, you can check that box. You know, he had 2.1 yards rushing, and I knew that if we did that, and got them into a drop-back game that we would be able to get after their quarterback and particularly get after their offensive line. And the six sacks were, you know, indicative of that. So, again, check the boxes. A lot of things we can correct on both sides. We'll talk a little bit about that. But by and large, we came in there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we saw, we came, we conquered, whatever. And uh, I was I was really proud of it. But I really enjoyed the football I think and you know I talked about Shane I think that Gus did more in the first half than he's normally done he he did mix a little bit of coverage we got a little cover two in there a little cover eight that's important to me because if you sit there in single high all day those corners are going to wear out then they're going to get them and so I like that sprinkling of two there's a there was a cover eight which is at least closing the weak side and then he just brought the heat and I wanted to see that heat and you know, right off the bat, he's bringing that heat, and you know we get a you know we get a bunch of sacks. He's blitzing six, and playing zone where the quarterback is confused. So again, I thought that was really really good. The the guy I want to mention on defense, I I think two guys, uh, obviously Stewart just stuffed the running game. I just stuffed it. But two guys up front that really are becoming impactive. One guy who I didn't feel at all in in preseason was Ebukan. I thought Ebukon's yeah. first start, yep. first legitimate sack off the edge, and I mean he it was him, and of course uh, 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 Dale knocked it out. But the sack started with uh, Ebukon, and he's he's showing me something off the edge. And then I think Quiddy, you know, he's had two sacks now in two weeks. He's given us that power rusher on the other side. So, you know, I'm you know really happy with that development because I always look at when we get out of a game, what do we make sure we have to correct so that it doesn't come back and bite us, you know, and what is starting to really look good? And obviously we'll get into it because I think we really have to feature them. Then on offense, you know, I think that the emergence of downs can be a huge, huge thing going forward. I mean, he is a master. At, you hear me say it all the time, the swing down, that three three to four to seven. They can't cover him. They just can't cover him. And, He's got to be even more of a factor. But to me, uh, Moss coming in and doing what he was doing and Downs coming in and doing what he did uh, really, I think, to me, gives us a couple weapons going forward. Yeah, at the end of the day, a really good win for the Colts. They were well-prepared. They were well-coached. They came out on fire. They had a sense of urgency. The quarterbacks played really, really well. Speaking of that, we'll find out more about Anthony Richardson later today and later this week. We're taping this on Wednesday morning for full disclosure. So inevitably, there's going to be some news that comes out on that uh, quarterback front 
that we just don't have right now. So if Richardson does not pass through the concussion protocol in time for playing on Sunday, Rick, or the Colts just deem the fact that he doesn't have enough uh, practice reps this week going into the game, they certainly feel comfortable uh, turning the offense over to Gardner Minshew. He completed 83% of his passes last week. He started 24 games in his career. How different will the offense have to look and adapt to Minshew on Sunday compared to what Colts fans are used to seeing in the first two games with uh, Richardson getting the starts? Yeah, and I, and I think we've seen a lot of Gardner in the preseason and now, so I think we do know what to expect. I will say this, though, we're, we're looking at a much different mm-hmm. defensive unit. It's not necessarily full of ambient players, but it's full of two Tylenol players, which we'll get into. And they really do a great job, and they give you a lot of volume. A lot where Houston just sat in one front all day. This will be, they'll be coming from all over. Uh, they'll be in all kinds of matchup coverages. Uh, they have a great third down blitz package where. You know they bring um, they bring Queen and Rohan Smith up in tight, and then they they come or they blitz. I mean, it's a very sophisticated game plan that will be difficult for AR5 because he hasn't seen that complexity yet. Um, the game plan definitely is very very different. Um, you know, with or without AR, with 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 Anthony, you're you're defensive. You're you're nervous as hell. His legs are. You know, basically, they're phenomenal. I don't think anybody runs with the power and the pure speed he does to the outside. And because of that, you're really, really concerned. I mean, you almost have to play eight and a half in between the numbers because you have to stop him. And then he has an effect on the coverage, Matt, because he's you don't want to play some sophisticated back-to-the-ball coverages because if he takes off and runs – you know, you saw what happened on the quarterback draw. We had them all spread out, and boom, he runs through there. And, I mean, it was he could have run to Thibodeau, Louisiana, to be honest with you. It was just amazing. And so as a defensive coordinator, he's limiting to you in a way because of his superior athleticism and ad lib ability, and everybody knows he can throw the ball deep. Now, see, when you get Gardner, it's exactly the opposite. You're really not concerned. Even though he's a decent athlete, you're not concerned about him ever beating you, particularly with the quarterback designers, which are so big for us now, you know, and those type of things. They're just not there. Gardner makes a living with, you know, basically complementing the running game with quick RPOs, run-pass options, quick, not run-run options like Anthony runs. RPOs to me are run pass options and that's you know that's a run tied in with a quick game and he was very effective um you know Shane used a lot of quick screens which kind of gave us an outside running game you know and in those type of things he did zing a couple in there but he's really a rhythmic first second level thrower doesn't really throw the ball deep really well but he if you I call Gardner and I, I don't, I'm just trying to define it. I, I really like him. I always have. But he is a what I call a context quarterback. So he may look good one week, mm-hmm. and if you play a certain kind of defense, a lot of press, you know, a lot of, and you stop the running game, and you force him to make big throws downfield, you know, that's going to be a game he doesn't look as good, to be honest with you. And so, what I think is important, and we're going to get a lot of bare front. I mean, Houston. Trust me, I'm just shocked. I mean, it's like they haven't watched film for two years. 
They never got in beer until the last series of the game when it was over. They stayed in that over all day. And if teams do that to us, we'll pound them with our offensive line in that bubble, which we did. But this team is going to be in bear. So two things are going to be really, really critical. Number one, we have to run better schematically with the running game versus bear. And what I mean by that is we we can't make a living with zone runs like we did last week. Last week, we played it. You know, they went over. We pounded the bubble right down to that 11-yard touchdown. We just pounded them. Our old line just got after them. But when you get in bear, it's a whole different situation. They pack the inside, so they force you to run off tackle. But you can't run off tackle without gap blocking. So we need to do some gap blocking. We need to lose. We need to use Granson inside the box some to be like a fullback, some leads, some powers, and even some three whams where you bring him in. Jack Doyle, unfortunately, is not here, but he would be able to do that stuff really, really well. So I think what I'm trying to say is that you have to keep the running game alive mm-hmm. without the threat of the outside. So that's challenge number one. And then challenge number two, they know Minshew. They're going to sit down on routes this week. They're not going to play soft and let you throw all that quick screen and that quick stuff. So they're going to be compressing your pass offense. They're going to be down, and they're going to be all over you. And so to me what's important is the RPO game this week. We really need to do it from bunches and outside stacks, and and we want to get downs in the position to get it. But what we want to do is that takes that press off of him and so the blockers then can get up on them, and that gives him a little space to catch the ball and move because otherwise if you just if we play standstill I do believe that they'll press us and then the other thing that Gardner has to do and whether we like it or not is this is going to be a game again this is not like Houston this is going to be a game again where they're going to try to force you to throw it outside and if we're going to score points uh, we're going to have to take our shots now remember a lot of times when teams are pressing the fade is thrown quickly it's not <laughs> it isn't thrown like 60 yards downfield what you want to do is you want to throw that ball on a line at about 35, which he can do. And so you run a little play action and then, boom, get it out there quick. But we have to take our shots, Matt, because this team, and particularly without, without AR, if he isn't there to, yeah. to stretch their edges, this team is going to pack us tight yep. and maybe take away the, the basic running game. So, you know, that's how I see it. And that's, you know, I, I look at it from the prism of a, you know, of a defensive coordinator. No doubt about it. All right, let's get ready for the Baltimore Ravens. They're up next in week three, and they're 2-0 and for the first time since 2020, looking for their first 3-0 and start since 2016. And when you think of the Ravens as a franchise, you think of physicality, you think of consistency. They have the fourth most wins in the NFL since 2000 and the fourth most winning seasons in that time as well. And they're also one of five teams to earn at least four playoff berths over the past five seasons, along with Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Seattle. And that consistency, well, primarily comes from their head coach, John Harbaugh, in its 16th year at the helm. Uh, He is the third longest tenured head coach in the NFL behind only Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. He's the club's all-time winningest coach, owns the sixth-best winning percentage among active NFL head coaches. Their offense is known for their ability to run the football, spearheaded by dual threat Lamar Jackson, who's turning into a great passer as well. The defense, they don't give up points. They don't give up big plays. They don't give up big games on the ground. And you fully predict, Rick, as you said, they're going to give the Colts some of that look and the Bear 
defense that they struggled with against Jacksonville in week number one. So what else stands out to you about the Ravens, the 2-0 and Baltimore Ravens heading into the big picture? No, well done, my friend. I mean, you know, I, I, I you know, DaCosta has done a great job of carrying on from the great Ozzie Newsom as GM. Ozzie Newsom may be the best GM that's ever been in this league and a personal friend, but DaCosta has done a good job. You know, what always stands out to me about Harbaugh is, as you said, the consistency. You know, he's had 10 playoff teams out of 15 that he's been there. He's won a world championship, and he's been coach of the year. So, you know, that's that kind of says it all. You're exactly right. I look at Baltimore in the big picture as a very, very good team that's very, very well coached. I don't look at necessarily as a great team, which is, to, you know, to me, our advantage. I mean, they have a couple great elements, but really their whole is greater than its part, which is, you know, it's a tribute to them, but it also makes them vulnerable. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. When you look at the offense, you know, very much like John Harbaugh, you have a former MVP of this league, um, you know, a kid that's turned into a terrific passer. I, I think he's at 74% coming after two games. I mean, and we saw that in game in that second half when we played him a few years back. We had him pretty bottled up, and he ended up throwing the ball out of the pocket much better than I thought he could. He is a tremendous player. Um, you know, he's a guy like we see these other guys like uh, Jalen and himself and, you know, AR to B. And, you know, he is a guy that they run critical designers. But when they run the designers where we have to be smart, you know, it's going to be in our red zone. Um, it's going to be in the fourth quarter. It's going to be in a critical fourth and two. They don't waste him on that stuff in non-critical situations. But he is great. I would add to that he is the best playground quarterback in the league. And I, I mean that nothing but a compliment because he's a guy that when it comes to scrambling – it's like Mahomes will run really to throw. He'll run if he has to. Anthony right now is more of a power forward on the edge. But what he does is he can run, scramble, and run 70 yards. I mean, he, he is a guy that when it comes to really run and pass, run and run, uh, he's got to be the premier playground player in the league. Um, I think when you look at him, uh, now, they do, and I'll get into this at the end, but they, they've got some key guys out. If Stanley, you know, he didn't he ended up not playing last week at left tackle, you know, and then their center, um, he didn't play. Linderbaum didn't play, and that's mm -hmm. two critical guys. And then, of course, I don't think Beckham will play. Dobbins is, of course, out for the season, and then their only really good corner, Humphrey's out. So there's there's some real vulnerabilities here if we have the ability to take care of it. But offensively, along with Jackson, you know, they have a solid running game. Now, he's the center focus, but they've always been, you know, top five, three, one, five, whatever. And they got decent running game, you know, with Edwards and, and with Hill and, and an offensive line that blocks it well. They also give you a lot of looks. They're not going to just be in one dimension. There'll be three wides, but the next thing you know, there'll be three tight ends. They give you both heavy and open. I think where they've really helped themselves now, I think we caught a break here is when they went out and got Beckham and when they drafted Flowers, I think they really improved their ability to strike quick and to open the field. Now, you know, Beckham is a deep field. We know what kind of catcher he is, 50-50 guy. But without him, but the guy, and they call him, the, his own teams have nicknamed him that. They call him the human joystick is Flowers, number four, the rookie. I mean, this kid is tremendous. Last week they used him outside a little bit, and he caught a big post. 
but Matt, where he is dangerous on the catch and run plays. To me, he to me Downs remembers reminds me of him. He's he'll catch the drag and run for it. I think he has something like um, I want to say 78 yards of yak already. So tremendous with ball in hand, really good on third and four to five. I mean, he's really now become the go-to guy, and without Beckham, he'll be all over. And then the key guy you got to be alert for, and we know this, we learned our lesson, is Andrews is really a good player. He's really, to me, in that top three guys, tight ends in the league. His numbers, uh, his numbers uh, you know, prove it. I think he has 341 catches, and I know he has 35 touchdowns. And that 35 touchdowns is everything. And he, he's the security blanket. He, you know, he's the guy that... You know, they like to just throw over the middle on early downs. we got to do a much better job of matching those inside patterns. Right. And then he's really good in the red zone. So, again, the underneath coverage has to match him on the field, and our safety's really got to be alert for him in the red zone. And then we have to have a plan for flowers, no question about that. And then on defense, again, the hole is much greater than the parts. Don't have the ambience, but they play really well together and I think Mike McDonald does a great job on defense. He's a disciple, Matt, of Wink Martindale. So when you think of that, you think of volume mm-hmm. and you think of pressure. Yeah. And I'm always kind of amazed that they're able to coach it. It's one thing to have it in a playbook. It's another thing to be able to use it. Although I think they're a little bit Belichick-like in that you get the specific game plan. It's not necessarily the whole playbook. You're going to get what they think stops you. You know, it's it's kind of a combination of modern and combination of old, uh, but you know they're they're really good. Their their best players at this point in time are the two linebackers, Roquan Smith and Queen. Those two guys are really good in the stacks, and they really affect you on the blitz game. You know, I think their front is good. I don't think it's great. They got a bunch of interchangeable edge guys. Clowney's there. You know, I think Clowney has about forty four career sacks. There's nobody that really scares you, but they can all run the edge. Um, you know, their safeties, I really like Hamilton, but I think they've put uh, Washington, their starting nickel, on IR. So look for Hamilton. He drops down and becomes the nickel. I think he will become the nickel this week. Their biggest Achilles heel, again, a lot of volume, a lot of different stuff, is they're really below average at corner. When they lost Humphreys, Humphreys is a top guy. He's a premier guy. You know, he's he's right up there with Lattimore and some of those guys. But he's out with a foot surgery. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, you go to Darby, you go to Stevens, you go to Yasin, and this is where they have the biggest amount of trouble. And that's why now they'll help them if you get past first down. That's why first down is so important because they'll stop. They'll try to stop the run and they'll leave those guys alone on first down. And you, you just – you're going to have to beat them out there, really, because they'll – They'll strategically stop most of the rest of it, and you're going to have to beat them out there. Because and that is their weakness. That will be their Achilles heel as the season goes on. So you know, a couple good special teams guys. Duvernay has great speed. The kid from Texas, and he can return it. And you know, Tucker is money. So you know, it's a it's a very good team. It isn't a great or unbeatable team. No doubt. All right, let's uh, bust out the blueprints. Let's start first with the Colts' defense against Lamar Jackson and that Ravens' offense. 
And the Ravens so far, they're putting up 26 points per game through a couple of weeks. Very balanced between the run and the pass. Pass, I should say. They're also really good in situational football so far. Number one in third down, number four in red zone offense. It all starts with dual threat uh, quarterback Lamar Jackson, the 2019 NFL MVP, turning into a very accurate passer. In fact, through two games, he ranks second in the NFL in completion percentage behind only Josh Allen at 74%. And the last time the Colts faced him, 2021, uh, it was a nightmare. Ended up setting a single-game <laughs> franchise record for passing 442 yards, four touchdowns in the second half and overtime of that game. And last week, Jackson became just the fifth player in NFL history to post at least 100 passing touchdowns and 25 rushing touchdowns in the first six years of his NFL career. And he's got plenty of options. And this is probably, Rick, the you know deepest supporting cast that he's ever had with Mark Andrews Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Odell Beckham, who I think has a chance to play this week with that ankle. Uh, mm-hmm. Rashad Bateman coming off a foot injury, but he's in that lineup as well. So a really stiff test for the Colts <laughs> defense and their secondary, Rick, a Colts defense that's giving up nearly 70% completion percentage and 287 passing yards per game so far in the season. All due respect to Houston, this is a much more difficult challenge coming up this Sunday. Well, like I told you as we were walking out of the stadium, we're going from the shallow end to the deep end. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. And the and the numbers that, that you posted, I'm really glad you did. I didn't realize they were even that good. But I did learn my lesson. I thought if we kept – if we cut off his legs that in that last game that we played, that if we cut off his legs, we would beat him. And he proved to me that he is really a top-flight passer, tremendous accuracy. As you said, two games, 74%. So, you know, and that's against some good defenses. That's Cincinnati. That, that's pretty doggone good right off the bat. And, you know, in terms of them, when you really talk about the blueprint and what you have to do, number one, I mean, and you've got to put this in red letters, I mean, you've got to control Jackson. That doesn't mean you can stop him cold, but you have to control him and keep him out of the big play situations. As I said earlier, best playground player in the league and particularly when you get in that orange, which I call 30 in to the red zone, which is 20 in, that's where they're going to use them uh, in the fourth quarter when they need a play and it's on the line, you know, that kind of stuff, critical third and fourth downs. I think what's really important is you really have to be disciplined on the edge, but with him, you can't void rush lanes. In other words, I don't want you to slow down and not play. But I can't, for instance, have three three rushers that end up to one side of the ball and only one the other side because he'll take that and he'll turn that into a punt return. So discipline as well as ability up front, which I think we're getting, is really, really qu- critical. I, I think we have to be ready for designer runs and know when they're going to come. And you really have to be ready for them, like I said, in that orange and red zone. you got to play him first in that situation you just have to play him first and what you want to do i think with the passing game even though he's good back there you want to compress the pocket and you know particularly if if stanley isn't there and and their and their center isn't there uh you know i i think you can do that i think you can compress him and really close it in on and make him throw out of a well and i think that you mix everything you mix four-man rushes five-man rushes where there's no levels. And then I think if you play, and we did it last week, 
I like six-man. I like six-man blitz on third down, but I like it with a zone like we played, not man, where if he breaks it, he's gone. But if you, you, you play that little bit of zone, and I we play like we rush six, we play two underneath and three deep, and that doesn't seem sound on the blackboard, but I think that would be effective. And then occasionally you just give him a change-up, you go with four, and then you lo- you use athletic linebacker. I don't say it's a spy where you sit back. It's one where you hug right in behind those rushers, and if he makes a move, you're ready to take him right there. So, you know, it really comes down, number one, you got to c- control Jackson. Number two, you can't go to sleep on their basic running game because it's a little bit better uh, than you think. And, you know, they'll give you, like I said, the, the reason it's tough at times is they'll be in three wides, and the next time they'll be in like 22 personnel with two tight ends, you know, a fullback in there, and they'll run all kinds of plays. I mean, they're not a zone team only. They'll gap block you. They'll power. Ricard is so valuable to them, uh, their fullback. I mean, he's the guy that actually was a defensive tackle in college, but he is what I'd love to have him on our team because what he gives you is versus the bear. He gives you the lead blocker. He came in and blocked on a three technique last week on a wham, and, I mean, it was the biggest run of the game. And he leads on the counters, and he's going to be around the running game, that's for sure. So, you know, and we got to know their running backs. I think it's as important that you know them, not so much for the calls, but for the players to be smart. Edwards, Gus, now with Dobbins out, Gus is a slasher. He's the power banger inside. He's very similar to Moss. And then when they put Justice Hill in there, he's the quicker. He can get to the edge. He's a one-cut-and-burst guy know what they're going to do. And then number three, you got to control their money receivers. Now, I think even if Beckham plays, I don't think he'll be full speed. I, I just don't. You know, if he does, you know you got to protect deep in on the 50-50. But you got to have a plan for Flowers now because he is going to be with – uh, you know, you know, with with Beckham nicked, Flowers is going to be the primary guy. He he already in two games has 13 for 140 and 78 yards of yak. I mean, and they did. You know, normally you think of him as a slot, but last week when Beckham went out, they put him out at X, threw a big post, and he went up and got it. So, you know, I think there isn't any question. I want to smother him. In other words, he is a guy I want to press. I want to be all over him. It's kind of like I call him the Jordan rules. He's a guy you want to prevent from getting the ball. You don't want to let him get the ball and then play. You want to you want to defend him without the ball at all times. That's the guy we got to have a plan for. And then you got to control in a way, but I don't think you have to double him, but you have to control Andrews in two situations. Out on the field, first down, second down, third down, whatever. He is a good possession guy inside the numbers, and he does a lot of hooking and over. And our linebackers, who he will be primarily the function of on the field, they got to match his patterns. They just can't let him find holes and pitch and catch like they do against. That's one of my criticisms is we got to play more match underneath and not let those pitch and catch that, that 70% like you're talking about. That's just too high. And then the second part, and this is where our safeties, I think, come into it. When they get in the red zone, okay, again, that's where Andrew shines. That's the 35 touchdowns. Most of them are red zone touchdowns. And what our safeties have to do, have to do is never go to sleep because they'll run like a little snag pattern underneath, 
and all of a sudden Andrews will just sneak to the corner. So, again, linebackers underneath early and then back in the back end on red zone alert for those corner routes and those seam routes, okay? And, again, I think the biggest thing, too, at the end here, number five, is create turnovers. They've never been a big turnover ratio victor. They've always been about the middle of the pack. Uh, you know, Lamar's had two fumbles in two weeks. Um, and, you know, that comes a lot of times on a scramble. He does carry it like a loaf of bread. I mean, he really does. And he's had a couple knocked out. So I think really if you, I think the two things, the two issues that I would say are going to be most important in this game is creating turnovers and winning the fourth quarter. Yep. You know, last week there was concession yardage, but we still, you know, we went from a three-possession game. If, you know, if they make the field goal, if we don't block it or push it back mm-hmm. and they miss it, I mean, we go from a three-possession game to one-possession game right. simply in the fourth quarter. And I, I don't want to overdo it, but I'm going to overdo it. We've been outscored 24-0 to in the fourth quarter. And that, you know, in a game like this one, it'll be everything. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's one of those things where you ask yourself, you know, that's in that bucket of, you know, things can the Colts afford to keep doing certain things yes. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, definitely, you know, outscored 24 to 0 like you said. It was 10 to nothing in the fourth quarter uh, the other day in Houston. All right, let's switch over to the Colts offense against the Ravens defense. Let's talk about the blueprint there. By the way, this is Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. And the Ravens so far in the season, Rick, they are top 10 in points allowed at 16.5, rushing yards allowed, and also yards given up at 275 a game. And neither the Texans nor the Bengals, their first two opponents, They've been able to muster 75 rushing yards against this Baltimore front. They've got a very good pass rush. In fact, uh, they've racked up at least two sacks in 14 straight games dating back to last season, which is the longest streak in the NFL. And their front seven is now spearheaded by the linebackers, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. Smith, the former Bear, he's got the second most tackles in the NFL among linebackers dating back to 2018. And then Queen last year, he joined Ray Lewis and C.J. Mosley as the only Ravens ever to record multiple seasons with at least 100 tackles, one forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. So a very impactful player there. And their secondary features Marcus Williams at safety, who has the seventh most interceptions in the NFL among active safeties since 2017 with 19 of them. And then at cornerback, if he's healthy, Marlon Humphrey uh, can be a playmaker. He's a takeaway artist. He has double-digit interceptions and forced fumbles in his career, but we'll be watching him on the injury report this week. So how much better of a challenge will this be for the Colts on Sunday compared to last week in Houston? Well, it's, it'll be a huge challenge. Uh, I think it starts really – and they've got, like I said – they don't have necessarily that ambient guy, although I think I think Queen and Smith are close. It's just it's just hard. Stack linebackers mm-hmm. don't have the impact on a game that rushers or corners. That's where you want your ambient guys is on the edge or at corner. And I don't I don't see that. But what I see is not a lot of ambience, but I see a ton of two Tylenol guys. <laughs> I mean, they don't they also don't have a bunch of liabilities. They only have a couple. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I see it that way. But I think when you combine a bunch of good players with the scheme, you know, which is both complex and it has pressure and it has the illusion of pressure, um, I think they get a lot of mileage and they've got it over the years. They've actually played, you know, this type of scheme all the way back to Rex Ryan, way back with a world championship. So 
This is how they play. You're going to see more volume in this game, although it will be game-specific. I think this is one of those games that, and I always, whenever we played against Belichick, I always told our guys, you're going to find out exactly, if you have any weaknesses, you're going to find out in the first quarter what they are, but also you, you make quick decisions. And I think Shane is good at this, is you figure out exactly how they're going to play us early, and then you get ready to counter um, in, in that regard. But you're going to get – they try to on first – I'll just give you some general things and then get into the, get into the must. They, what they really want to do on first down is totally shut you down, and they're going to get in like the bare front with press. They're going to bring single what I call cats and dogs. They're going to bring single cat and single dog. A cat is bringing somebody off the edge. It could be an outside backer, could be a nickel, could be a safety uh, and what they're trying to do is disrupt you on first down. You know, get after your run, get after your play action. Uh, they'll bring one of those backers all of a sudden, just the fifth guy, all of a sudden he'll just come. He'll be rushing. And then when they get in the second down, they give you a lot of that cover four family. This, you know, quarter, 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 half. You know, a lot of tight matchup underneath or old school that way, kind of my school really. And they do a really good job. Now, what they did last week and I think you'd see more of this uh, with Gardner um, than you would than you would with Anthony. Is they played a lot of cover two against Burrow, and they played a lot of sophisticated two. They didn't just play one way. They played regular two. They played like a two slice where they give you a three deep look, and then they run out of there, and the nickel goes to the half. Now they may be limited on that because I think Hamilton is going to come in at the nickel. And once he goes to the nickel, it's a little bit different. I really like Hamilton, but Hamilton's the guy they use sometimes in the like a like a middle linebacker and the runner, or sometimes he'll slice to the flat, and he gives them a lot of variety. They may not have all that, but I do see more too against a guy like Minshew, who's really not a runner and not and doesn't like to really push it downfield and cover two chokes off your underneath stuff, and then on third down you'll get all those coverages. Uh, but what you get on third down is the volume becomes the blitzer bluff package. And that, by that I mean they'll walk up those guys. They'll walk up Queen, you know, and they'll walk up Smith. Uh, sometimes they do it from over, and it's a single. I call that mug when you mug up front. And then sometimes it's a double mug where both of those guys are inside there. Now, sometimes they'll bring them. Sometimes it'll be one. Sometimes they'll get up and they'll then they'll bail out and then they'll bring edge pressure. So you really have to know what you're doing on protection. You can't you can't ever have a mistake. And my suggestion is make sure that you protect from inside out, that you never let a straight line blitzer inside. If they're gonna come, if you gotta let a guy open, he's gotta come from the outside, which gives your quarterback time to at least release it. You know, the Colts were masters of that with Howard Mudd and with Peyton Manning back there. And I think that's really key, uh, again, particularly when you're playing with a young quarterback. The, the problem for Richardson won't be talent. It'll be reading the volume. He's never seen this. And then the, the problem for uh, Minshew is they're going to they're gonna play a lot of cover, too. They're going to press, and they're going to get after him. So, you know, there, there's issues, but we can, we can overcome them. I think from a must standpoint, I think, first of all, our offense, and I said this before when you brought up the question of Minchu versus AR in this game, is, is we have to have a good 
legitimate run plan against Bears. We we have not had that. And we really have to have it, particularly if Minshew ends up, you know, getting the control. You know, and again, I've gone through it many times. I know what the solution, because I remember when Bear was popular and what drove it out. And it's scab blocking, it's off-tackle stuff, it's wham stuff, it's it's leads and powers. And if you don't, if we're just limited to zone with no quarterback to the outside, I guarantee it'll look like it did last year. Uh, if they give us a bubble, obviously we want to we want to pound that bubble. But uh, you know, again, all those things, powers, whams, all those things have to be in there. And just the point I'm making is, with Gardner in there, you don't have if 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 AR's in there, you can run the edge and stretch it. You know his. They're going to be nervous. They're going to be playing very, very controlled on the edge, but they ain't going to worry about it with Gardner. So that's that's that running game, a legit running game, not just a quarterback running game, is critical. Number two, I think this is critical. Whoever the quarterback is, we got to get after their corners on first down, push it deep and outside the numbers. Now, I sound like a broken record, and it didn't matter against Houston, but it will matter against teams like this because they're going to play you smart, they're gonna they're gonna basically compress your inside and set the edge, and what what you're gonna have to do. And the way they do that though is on first down, they do play single high, they do play man to man coverage, they don't play a ton of two or four on first down, and so that gives Pierce and Pittman the one on one that you need, and you just gotta air it out. You gotta air it out early, and if you can get a play, get a pi, and even if you're incomplete early you're going to widen the defense and get them out of that eight and a half in the middle, and it's going to help you. So I think critically you have to get after Darby, you have to get after Stevens, and you have to get after Yasin. Those three guys are subpar players on the outside, and so you have to come out of there. We have to win there. Number three, I think we have to handle their edge rushers. I don't think there's a great one there. You know, Clowney's a little bit up in the – you know, he, he still has it. Uh, Ojabo, uh, Robinson, Owe, Harrison, Clowney. There's like five guys that are interchangeable. And they use a ton of guys. They always have. If you try to just study their personnel, just, just no numbers because they're going to be all over. And uh, all those guys can really run the edge. They're all athletic. None of them, you know, none of them are real established rushers with the exception of Clowney. He's the one that has 44 sacks. But and he had one last week. But last week it was an effort sack, second effort. But you and our tackles did a great job. I mean, Will Anderson. I don't even know if he was in the game last week. I mean, we we stuffed those two edge guys, and that was their strength. And give our offensive tackles a lot of credit on that. I think number four, uh, third down is going to be critical. How you handle it, and of course the best way to handle it is stay out of third and long. If we can. You know, if we don't make it on first down, let's let's have a real positive play, a get-back play on second down where we get ourselves in that third and three. All that exotic stuff, all that blitz or bluff, all the stuff that they do, the blitz or illusion of blitzes, really happens on third and long. And again, this is where their two top players, Smith and, and, and Queen, are really involved in the blitz and bail package. So I would say this, make sure, as I said earlier, Make sure, A, we can protect it inside. You know, no direct hits, no direct hits inside. You know, scan to the outside, bluff, radar, and blitz package. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to do a great effort, both on the RPO game and on the third down. We have to get 
downs the ball. Downs and Richardson are the two best playmakers. They're on another level. And if you kind of look at, at downs, I, if, I, if I were the Colts, I'd take a look at how Baltimore is using Flowers because they're very similar. And he is, he's underused at this point. I understand because he's a rookie yep. and they didn't know. But after last week, and I've said it all along that he was going to be a master of third down, but he has got to have ball in hand. You know, and if Richardson isn't there, then he definitely has to have ball in hand because he's the only playmaker that you really have. Creator. I won't say playmaker, but creator. You know, and then you always talk about this and the two areas that they are just phenomenal on, so it's going to be a challenge. You know, you got to play great in those specialized situations. Third down, you got to play good with the ball in red zone, and they're, you know, top, they're elite, and you have to really make this happen. And then at the end, you, you have to win the turnover battle. All right, Rick Venturi right there inside football, the blueprints, the skinny on how the Colts can top the Ravens in week number three. And to close out, Rick, it was funny, after the uh, after the game on Monday, Monday night, we talked with uh, Shane Steichen on Colts Roundtable Live, and I asked him how long he allows himself to enjoy a win. And you can appreciate this as a former coach. He said about three hours. <laughs> Three yeah. three hours is always he's given himself to enjoy a victory in the National Football League. So, I mean, that, that's kind of right on par with you. And that basically means by the time the Colts landed in Indianapolis, his mind was on to Baltimore, which is just disgusting. But that's how it goes. Uh, but the Ravens, as we've said, that they provide a tougher test for the Colts than the one they saw last Sunday. How important will it be to start fast, send a message to the Ravens on the road in that stadium that you're for real and you can dominate in the trenches like you did in week two. Yeah, no question about it. I, I'm just going to uh, you know, dovetail off what you said and what Shane said. You know, <laughs> again, always savor a win. They don't come easy. Yeah, But yeah. never <clears> – <throat> I always put it this way. Never take a deep breath. And there's a tendency to do that because we have so much scrutiny now in the NFL. It's 27 coverage. You get overpraised when you win and you get over-destroyed when you lose. And it's human nature – you know, if you haven't won a lot and then all of a sudden you win one, you take a deep breath and say, I'm okay, and you just can't do that. Again, you said it. We're going from swimming a width in the shallow end. You know, we're going to have to swim in the deep end both tactically and physically. You know, the good news for us, though, to me, and I've said this two or three times today, is the Baltimore hole is greater than the parts. And they don't, you know, you take Jackson – you know, and you and you take flowers out of there, you know, they don't have a busload of great players. So, you know, show up fast like we did against the Texans. And I agree with you. Send a message to the Ravens that you're for real. Yeah. And also quiet down that hostile crowd. Now that Baltimore, I, I coach with the Baltimore Colts there. I've been back several times. That can be a very hostile and, and mean crowd, to tell you the truth. No doubt. Limit Jackson. Limit Jackson and compress him, force him into mistakes and turnovers. Got to take care of Flowers and Andrews. We got to run the ball. Two things we got to do on offense, and that's why scheme matters. We have to run the football, and we have to create big plays on the corner. I think this, though, here's where I think we're better than they are. As a team, I think what's number one is we need to dominate both fronts on both sides of the ball. The hell with volume. I think we're better both in our defensive line and our offensive line. And I think dominating the fronts is critical, and particularly on first down. 
if we can stay at a disadvantage, we'll play all day. Yep. And then somehow you got to be the best red zone team out there and win the turnover battles. Again, they are a good team. I don't really think they're a great team. And then what you have to do is the hell with the, you know, the hell. I've talked a lot about design, but make this a street fight, not a chess match. That's and that's what I'm talking about. The front. I don't believe these are your father's Ravens. I don't think you know this is Ray Lewis and them. Go into me with the belief that you can do it and make it a reality. Good home field advantage, like you said, under John Harbaugh, which you have to go back to 2008. The Ravens own the NFL's third best home winning percentage in that time. They are 88 and 34 at M&T Bank Stadium, and in fact, in their 88 wins in that span, their margin of victory has been 13.8 points per game. So they're winning by almost two touchdowns, and the Colts have lost three in a row to the Ravens in Baltimore, looking for their first road win against the Ravens since 2009. Let's get it done on Sunday. That's Rick Venturi with the blueprints on how to do it. RV, my man, as always, wonderful breakdown, very insightful per usual. Enjoy the rest of your week. Get that back cracked. Get it realigned, the lumbar spine, the thoracic. Let's get it all in, in the right, correct order, and let's get a win on Sunday, my man, in the Charm City. Absolutely. It's, it's a hostile place. I live there. It's a blue-collar, tough mm-hmm. football town. And my biggest challenge won't be the game. It's just those steps on, on that plane both ways. So, we'll get it. You know, we'll be our, you help me up the steps. We'll be fine. We'll get it. My confidence meter is very, very high right there on Rick Venturi. <laughs> Inside football, Rick. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll do it again next Wednesday, breaking down the Rams. Okay, Matt. Enjoyed it. You got it. Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and that'll do it for this week's edition of Inside Football. As I said, next week we're breaking down the Rams, but until then, keep it locked and subscribed here on the Colts Audio Network for more blueprints and discussion. Colts and Ravens, week number three. We'll talk to you next week on Inside Football with Rick Venturi.